Testers, hello, hi. Today uh, is a very exciting day. I'll be speaking to one of my ex-bosses. Uh, he used to be the VP of the Creative Multimedia Division of MDEC and I used to be part of the team. And to be honest, one of the reasons why I joined the company was because of him and knowing that he uh, was the VP at that time. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Datuk Kamil Uthman to Pitcast. Hello Datuk, how are you? Uh, I'm as well as uh, anyone can be under the circumstances. Well, how, how, what have you been doing at home? Uh, well, actually I'm still working. I mean, working in the working sense of the word uh, because I've got a little uh, consultancy up and running and uh, it's mainly around people who would like to make films, who would like to have their scripts uh, looked at and uh, they also want to know uh, how do you acquire funding from various parts of the world, whether I know um, people out there, you know, in Europe or America or China, Hong Kong. Uh, so it's mainly a funding thing, uh, advisory mainly. Uh, but the most interesting is actually to try and encourage yeah, the younger uh, filmmakers especially to start thinking about uh, what kind of films they should be making. Uh, because uh, like me, although I'm old enough to be their grandfather, but uh, the point is, I think they have an indication of what the future of Malaysian cinema should be like. And that sort of coincides with uh, what I have been thinking all this while as well. Uh, so yeah. that makes it interesting. Yeah. Uh, other than that, it's uh, yeah. more like uh, uh, for survival, it's doing auditing. <laughs> it's one of those things that you can work <laughs> from home, right? Because some companies uh, have to prove, uh, I mean, has to provide their year-end accounting, uh, their year-end, um, how shall we say, audits. So I'm actually part of that. But um, that has been a couple of months back. Uh, that one is just for how shall we say, to refresh myself in that area. But really, uh, the real focus is on the creative industry. Great. I mean, as a, I, I used to work with you in MDEC, uh, if you remember. <laughs> of course you do. Uh, for, from 2014 up until 2016. And after that, you left for Finas and that kind of broke our heart. Uh, because uh, part of the reason why I joined MDEC was uh, because of you. So um, I've heard of your name, I've heard of your voice before, and I remember that in 1998, you were um, one of the part-time DJs in, on, on THR. And as you know, I'm a big fan of music. Uh, and can, can, can we back up a little bit and talk about that? Uh, how did it go about? Like, how did it start uh, with, you know, DJing for, for radio? Station. Um, that is a journey that, uh, well, it was a journey in the musical side of things, but I thought it was all very personal. Uh, then uh, what happened was uh, THR at that time, uh, the owner was uh, one of my juniors at the Malay College. So uh, I actually made a complaint to him, telling him that the DJs of today uh, they seem to be, uh, you know, they seem to be disconnected with their music that they play. It's more like a job. So I was uh, really putting him to sleep 
with all my views about um, how the connection with music is very important because uh, music plays a very important part in people's lives. So uh, I have the music that, you know, reflects my journey in life too. Uh, so anyway, after all that, uh, he said, uh, Shadabla, you think that you can do something better, uh, I'll give you a show. Uh, so that was the birth of the uh, rock show. Well, it was called the alternative yeah. rock show. Actually, the word alternative, uh, in hindsight, uh, that seems to indicate to many people that it's alternative music. But actually, what I meant was, it is like the rock show, then you have a little scribble there, alternative. It means Astro at that time had rock, rock FM, and everybody was into rock and playing all sorts of music. So I said to myself, this is the alternative, your alternative rock show. Maybe I should have called it the other rock show, but uh, well, that's how it began. <laughs> so uh, yes, so one night uh, I was uh, given a slot. So I brought all the CDs. Remember in those days, it wasn't the computer uh, listing. Uh, you mm -hmm. actually bring your CDs. You prepare the little mm -hmm. script. Uh, then I decided to go on teams uh, because if you were to just play music at random, uh, you might, you know, it's like Cassandra Cassini kind of thing. So I decided to use yeah. a team. So for the very first uh, show, I decided to do, to give a taster a sampler of uh, the kind of uh, madness that I wanted to unleash on the Malaysian public. And that was thinking that I would only survive about two shows, two or three shows. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's how it began. I started off with uh, the very first track was, uh, I think it was ACDC. Uh, for those who are about to rock, we salute you, uh, which is like a homage to all the rock fans out there. And then I went in. Yeah. Uh, so that's how it, it began. And then what was meant to be, um, I thought the maximum was about two weeks, uh, two shows rather. And then uh, it turns out that uh, it lasted for five years actually. It began in 1994, wow. towards the end of 1994. And I only stopped it in 1999 when two things happened. Uh, THR was getting very uncomfortable with me at that time. Uh, uh, because uh, I was... Uh, encroaching into territories which uh, maybe the authorities may not have a liking for. Uh, but I said to myself, so okay. what? I was working with Shell at that time. So if you want to <laughs> fire me, fire me. This is a job. And, and besides, whatever the monies I got from yeah. the show, I actually donated to an orphanage. So, uh, so, uh, so it was more like, uh, well, I wouldn't say it was like a uh, Planting, but I thought, well, I mean, it's not that we have a lot of money, but they didn't pay a lot as well. It was 150 yeah. per, per, per show. So it's 300 ringgit a week, um, gave it to a few charities. Uh, well, basically, it's an orphanage near Slama and Taiping and all that. So uh, that pushed me along into this ambition that I once had that uh, what Malaysia was lacking was a DJ like John Peel. Uh, in, in, in England, there was a very influential uh, DJ by the name of John Peel, and I listened to his show almost every day. And in many ways, uh, he influenced or rather opened up our eyes to many types of other music. 
uh, because we all tend to say, yes. I've got my favorite bands, uh, you know, and all that. And But John Peel was actually introducing uh, some really uh, aesthetic stuff, um, you know, like music from Jamaica. I mean, you know, Bob Marley. Yeah. And he introduced you to yeah. 20 other people who are much better than Bob Marley, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I pretended angan-angan sikit lah that uh, <laughs> since Malaysia tak ada DJ macam John Peel uh, let me pretend to be John Peel uh, so that was the beginning yeah. of the format uh, that I adopted which was have a team and try and talk less yes. uh, and let the music more music uh, let music go and you just explain sometimes a little bit about let's say the history of punk uh, so that's yeah. where when the teams get into that kind of areas, uh, you just explain how the punk evolves. And uh, most of all, I was trying to bridge the gap between uh, what the old folks were listening. Remember those born yeah. before the 60s and what the young kids at that time were listening to? Well, speaking of punk, um, to be honest, right, um, before I met you, uh, just having to know who you were, um, I actually thought of you as this... Um, punk rock kind of person like not just the music that you listen to you are more of the way you think like you don't care what other people would think of you and you just speak your mind it's something that I ad really admire um, about your personality well as from the music uh, from your love for music and then then it goes into film your your main passion and that's what I'm getting the vibe from you uh, while working with you and even until now so um how do you think music and film actually uh, uh, complement each other? Because I remember there was a, uh, an interview that you did last year in 2020 that you said that somehow music ni tumpang, finas, because music ni tak ada bapa, right, <laughs> in Malaysia. And like, how do you think it, it, it really connects, you know, with each other? Hmm. Well, basically, it's all part and parcel of this uh, theory this theory which I've had for a long time already. In fact, even uh, it, it began actually when I joined MDC at that time, uh, you know, MDEC uh, before it was called MDEC. Uh, it was really when I was interested at uh, MDC to develop this new industry called creative multimedia. Uh, we began to look at things from a slightly different perspective. Uh, basically, it's something like this. Uh, music was seen as a vertical on its own. Films were seen as a vertical on its own. Arts generally were seen also as vertical on its own, as though they all needed support at that vertical level. But whereas at that time, in 1999, 2000, uh, in the creative multimedia department at, at DAC, and of course with the help of our colleagues, you know, all with their various valuable inputs, that uh, Arif and all that, Tanti Osman, that time. Uh, it was all about seeing the whole thing as like one uh, complete ecosystem. That all the verticals, they are vertical only by virtue of them being the outputs of some creative activity. So, you are, you know, under film, your output happens to be films documentaries are short. So if you are a music, uh, your output is music. But the support system that must tie everything back together should be horizontal. 
That's right. right? Uh, so it shouldn't be like skills development. You have only one box for film, one box for music, one box for theater, one box for you know games and all that. Because that is what that is fragmenting the industry, and we knew that. Right. All the way from the year 2000. So basically, skills development. I mean, now that you mentioned about the connection. Okay. So uh, if the skills development programs are, is a horizontal, meaning it covers film, music, literature, and all that, you are actually uh, optimizing the potential of every resource that is involved in the ecosystem. So let's take music. Uh, films need music, not only from the point of view of the music per se, but also from mm -hmm. the audio angle. Yeah. Uh, we forget that uh, music is audio. So uh, mm -hmm. if you are going to have to look at the uh, audio engineering part of the industry, it is going to come from the music strand, the music uh, side. Yes. And the connection with film is simply this. Uh, if uh, try watching a horror film uh, without the volume, yeah. uh, you'll find that uh, <laughs> it yes, doesn't make sense. Correct. And ditto for romance stories, adventure stories. That's so right. audio is a very important component of that whole thing. But at the same time, uh, there will also be that same talent behind composing a song can also be very, very uh, invaluable for creating the right ambience for scenes in a movie. I mean, uh, you know, uh, in Hollywood films, you will find towards the end where uh, the music becomes more dramatic uh, so that it yes. fits in, right? And, you know, uh, most of the feel-good films always end with the clapping, you know, a hero or heroine would come in and they would clap or someone who has just saved the world or something. So yeah. all these emotions can be presented by a filmmaker visually, but you need right. a musician, someone who understands music and audio to actually bring the thing together. That's right, that's right. Because uh, some of the, my favorite, favorite uh, films, like uh, Interstellar, for instance, Hans Zimmer was the one who actually played the music and it's... It's such a great feeling when you hear the, the music right. on it. And uh, ditto for like Twilight Zone has its own signature tune, Outer Limits and all this. So you see, it's all connected. It's all, uh, okay, I know this may sound a bit academic, but uh, the reason why the connection is even stronger, uh, music and film, and of course with literature also, but we will get touch on that later. But uh, the music part, is the one that brings that uh, audio experience into this whole visual thing. Uh, because you must remember, cinema began live without sound. That's the early Charlie Chaplin and all that. They were all uh, visual. Uh, later, when sound comes in, uh, they call the cinema the talkies uh, because films can finally talk. Uh, so after that, uh, everybody thought that only the dialogue part is important until people like Hitchcock uh, use music to great effect in Psycho 
and uh, a lot of other directors did the same thing. Uh, Dato Kamil, right. again, I, I cannot stress enough of how important you had been in our industry because uh, in uh, back, back when uh, you were still uh, DJing for THR and you were still in Shell, that was in 1994 and that was the time when uh, we were in uh, high school and we actually went into the, the alternative uh, music actually uh, were introduced to us uh, via THR and all these radio stations. And then uh, having to work with you in film, uh, I, I just I'm, I feel very honored uh, to to have known you and to 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 see uh, the ideas that you have, and it's just something that I don't see in younger people who are probably holding the uh, the jawatan now. I mean, like who, if if there was a person that you would prefer to pass the baton to, who would it be? Um, well, uh, that was one of the. Uh, things that was foremost in our minds because uh, you see uh, when you have accepted the fact that you won't live forever and the fact that uh, <laughs> you won't even be retaining your job forever too you know people have to move kind of thing uh, there's always this thing called the succession plan uh, but the difficulty uh, I had uh, at that time was that somehow the system was against this thing called succession in the real sense of the word. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to enter into political waters here, but uh, <laughs> <Let's> right, <not. laughs> when meritocracy uh, doesn't become the main criteria and it's just a matter of selection based on whims and a selection based on I think, uh, that's where part of our problems actually lie uh, today. Um, succession, in the real sense of the word, was uh, what I experienced when I was in Shell, for instance. Uh, that was succession. Mm -hmm. uh, because everybody would go through this process, right? Okay, Shell is a multinational. Uh, maybe in Petronas is the same, I don't know. But uh, oil and gas was the only big industry that I knew for what almost 19 years. Uh, that succession plan was visible. In other words, there was like a conscious effort to look at uh, who's next uh, based mm -hmm. on the premise that nobody will be there forever and, uh, uh, and uh, you won't be in your job forever either. So uh, when mm -hmm. I started to have that, uh, to, in, to try to implement things like that at MDAC, uh, in the beginning, it was uh, okay. It was beginning. It was okay. Uh, when I say it was okay, I mean I don't mean any disrespect, but it was easy to see the creative multimedia as a department, and from within yeah. you could see, you know, people who would have this natural uh, passion for this, uh, because the idea is not so much someone who is good uh, in management, but they must also love the industry itself. I think part of the problem that we have now uh, is that uh, industry development bodies don't have people who actually love the subject matter. When I say love the subject yes. matter, I mean you live it, you breathe it, you shit it, you get uh, <laughs> emotional about it. Uh, that's what dedication yeah. is all about. And it's not just for film. If you have someone like that who loves animals to be in charge of our uh, zoo, for instance, uh, you know, all the animals would have a good time because uh, they understand, right? <laughs> right? Okay, so uh, it was difficult for the succession plan. Uh, 
After, I believe, after the British Multimedia Division was uh, incorporated into uh, an industry development agenda overall for Hentech at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, because I was thinking of people like uh, at that time, there were people, yes, there were one or two, but they were specializing in different areas. Uh, so I won't mm -hmm. mention names here, but one would be good in, let's say, games. Uh, another mm -hmm. would be good in, strategi uh, in strategies uh, with an understanding yeah. of the industry. Uh, someone else would be good in animation and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. Uh, so I'm not saying I am the jack of all trades and master of all, but the whole idea was any one of them could actually be, uh, how shall we say, nurtured, should be exposed, mm -hmm. yeah, exposed further. Mm -hmm. And uh, that uh, didn't quite happen when the, there was a restructure between 2005, I think, six, uh, until the Creative Multimedia Division was reactivated again, I think 2009 and 10. Now, mm -hmm. uh, why do I say this? I say this because uh, I felt that once in a while, you would find people who would see things from the holistic angle. Yeah. But they themselves should determine of all the little components that you find here and there, which one has had the most, how shall we say it, the most strategic planning done. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's all about meeting the person and talk. Now, I find it was very disappointing at that time that nobody came and talked to me. And then the restructure took place. So I, uh, I must uh, admit that I resisted against it. I, I resisted it uh, because uh, not because of any pride or anything, but because uh, we had it all laid out. And sometimes uh, there's also this worry in Malaysia that when things are successful, uh, there were people who were trying to bite into it <laughs> to have a little, you know, chewing game. But fortunately, this all happened with friends. So, uh, although officially you may not be able to express your uh, unhappiness, but informally, the system actually allows that unhappiness to filter through. And I was happy that by 2009, uh, that department was uh, brought back again. And that was when uh, we went to our next step. But uh, I only had uh, five years to enjoy that before they sent me to <laughs> Finas in 2014. Yeah. So uh, that was the thing. Succession, yes. There were people in there. Because the trick is not about um, having an obsession with anything. Like uh, in my case, it's not mm -hmm. about being obsessed with films or music. It's just it's trying to see them as uh, if the government says it's an economic indicator, you try to find out in what ways could your obsessed, you know, your obsessed uh, interest could provide yeah. uh, jobs, right? Could be the subject for exports and how does it relate directly or indirectly to the other initiatives that are taking place. Okay, I'll just add on a little bit on that. Whatever we have touched upon music, films, literature, and all that. If we know how to do it right, if it is 
position as something that we are willing to share with the world, the uh, side effect is there'll be a lot more trust on Malaysia as a country. Yeah. Meaning that uh, a good Malaysian film may decide someone who is now in France to buy a proton car. Yeah. Yeah. Or to even to start. That's uh, an indication. Yes. Uh, so that's the indirect way. And uh, look no further than South Korea, because believe it or not, that was and still is their strategy. Okay, Dato. So um, we have spoken about the industry. We have spoken about, you know, a little bit of your history uh, being in the industry for so long. Um, but now I want to talk to you about being uh, a spectator of the industry, right? From your lens. Uh, maybe this is a perangkap question a bit, but I want to know what's the latest local film that probably you were not involved in uh, that you have recently watched? Oh, okay, this is a good but tough question. Yes, I have binge. Uh, I binge on Colony because I like science fiction and I like the idea because to me that's how people of the earth can be taught a lesson. Yeah. Aliens come here and suddenly we know, oh, the real people we should be protecting ourselves again is up there, not amongst ourselves. So there'll be less fighting and all that. Uh, I also watch a good documentary called Cuba Libre, which is the story of Cuba and how the, the rise of Cuba from the early days. Uh, the other one is uh, an Australian program. There was a funny, I think it's called Pine Gap. It's about some Pine Gap. And there's another one, uh, also Australian, which is about an atomic test site. You see, what, what I love about those uh, series is that, especially the Australian, is because you can take a piece of your own history, speculate a bit, and nobody feels offended. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's okay. We can criticize ourselves. So maybe that's the biggest benchmark that we should be aiming for for Malaysia as well. The day that we can start to laugh at ourselves, and I would comment this, can you just the pandemic, the decisions made during the pandemic alone can be a superb comedy. I mean, if you know how to write. And the title could, uh, you know, uh, the title could even be pandemic, two words, you know. Uh, I mean, uh, you can laugh at that, can't. Because when we start to laugh at ourselves, then things they will be diffused. And also, if we make uh, our subject history, it doesn't matter to speculate a little bit on our history. Uh, like, uh, you know, the, like there's one script that I like. Uh, Maharaja Lela didn't kill James Birch, but the British actually hired an assassin to kill James Birch and put the blame on Maharaja Lela because they want to take over Pera. Uh, you know, that kind of uh, thinking is, 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 that's what cinema is all about. I mean, it's not supposed to be real. Well, it's not supp supposed to be hyper real, right? That's right. I recently spoke to uh, a new director. Uh, his name is Ala Idol uh, on my podcast uh, recently. And we were talking about this. And he is also uh, a, a, a punk. Uh, you know, he, he, he lives his life like you. And he, he said the same thing. And we were talking about how this pandemic should actually, you know, give birth to a lot of art, music and films because of the stress that we're going through. And usually great work comes out from, you know, uh, Great Depression, if you can call it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, actually, right. I met some of the best artists 
did their best work when they were broke, hungry. Yes. Some of the best musicians. Remember, Bob Dylan uh, had his best time when he was still not famous. Uh, you see Jackson Brown now. Okay, Jackson Brown is one of my favorite uh, singers. You imagine, compare his first three albums to what he's doing now. Yes. Now that he's famous, he's rich, you know, he's got a few, you know, good-looking girlfriends, mm -hmm. hubbies. Uh, but the first album called uh, Jackson Brown, you see the kind of lyrics and uh, the classic yeah. album for every man. Uh, that one is still cheaper than going to a shrink. <laughs> if you are depressed, it's, I it's recommend you to listen so honest, to... It's honest, right? Because it came that's from right. the heart. Yes, Take It Easy. Uh, that's right, Take It Easy came from that album. And then the Eagles, of course, made it famous. But you see, uh, yes, true. Pandemic is the best time to rethink about what we like to do. Uh, the other thing that I would also like to just say uh, is because of the pandemic, we know that certain institutions who are currently now cannot exist soon. They have to be re-engineered. Uh, uh, because it's already proven that uh, if they can't do it even before the pandemic, let alone trying to, you know, navigate after the pandemic. Uh, so, yeah, it calls. The artistic mind is uh, the creativity side where imagination is, you know, sky high kind of thing. Uh, that is the best time for now. And uh, your friend, that filmmaker that, that you met, what, he's about... My age or oh, he's, he's actually, I think, younger than me even. So uh, he has a band oh, called okay. Carburetor Dung. Not sure whether you have heard of Joe before. On my show, yes. uh, on THR, once a month is devoted to Made in Malaysia. Carburetor Dung, semua dah main. When I have black metal, ah. I mean, who else would play Silkanas? Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, Saha. Uh, you know, a storm <laughs> yeah. of nebula, only I spun the song. Because why? I couldn't give two hoots. Because this is still Malaysian music. Wow. Yes. I mean, why are you hearing City Nawaliza all the time? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, these are the good ones. And also the alternative bands, you know, the Beats, Spiral Kinetic Circus, and all that. Yes. Joe Kid has been on the show several times, and Neil yes. Grimms, and all those bands. So you see, THR should have continued, not necessarily with me. They should have continued and they should take a new DJ to come, right? Uh, but Malaysia doesn't want to do that. They have this paranoia about this kind of things. I mean, I'm not saying that what I did was excellent, but the next person could do a better job than I did and expose newer Malaysian bands, uh, especially on the internet. It's high time we start exporting our music too. Uh, I mean, uh, I remember Izam Omar in the early days, Positive Tone. I actually uh, spun all those things. Pony Canyon used to give me the stuff that RTM wouldn't even touch. Uh, and then don't talk like, about strange culture and all those underground music that would give me the ETs and cassettes. So uh, why was I doing that? Because these are talent. If we do not give them that conduit, then we are wasting our economic resource. And by the way, talking about punk, you must remember I saw the Sex Pistols uh, by accident, actually. <laughs> it wasn't planned. Uh, I saw them. So, punk came into my life because uh, after Pink Floyd, Genesis, and all that, I thought punk was a good way of doing things cheaply, but still expressing your creativity in the right way. Do it yourself, right? Uh, so, but it was, it was the best of both worlds. Huh? And then the Iron Maiden came later, so it was 
all influenced later by punk. So you can see how they influenced. And the punks themselves, when they were kids, guess uh, what kind of music their parents were listening to. The same thing that I was listening to, <laughs> except that they grew up to become musicians. I grew up to join Shell and I'm back. Thank you so much, Dato. Is there any last words or advice you have for the entertainment industry practitioners and enthusiasts out there? Right. Uh, I'd just like to say that uh, for indie films, if you watch something, uh, you don't, you're not obliged to say it's good just to please your friends. You find out the good parts and you also tell whoever they made the film where you think the little changes can be. So in other words, constructive feedback. As a paying consumer, I'm expecting a little thing for that, you know. So that's for the film part. And get themselves exposed. Watch the best. Find out what are the top 10 best films ever made and try to understand why they are in the top 10. And don't take just the North American top 10, the world's top 10, meaning a combined a global community. And as for music, uh, yes, open your ears. I mean, last night I heard the Sarawakian Sape music. And after Alena was tuning, tuning, I said, hey, ini ni, kalau macam concert of Bangladesh dulu with George Harrison, instead of Ravi Shankar, it could be a Sarawakian there with the thing. You see, but because, yes, but we didn't export that music will remain uh, maybe, you know, okay, like maybe in Malaysia, but why? That kind of music can be brought into, uh, you know, a rock band, a conventional rock band. And can you imagine some of the progressive rock era music came from the time when they were experimenting with sitas, with flutes. Uh, that is what creativity is all about. So I find it very, uh, you know, sometimes uh, very skeptical when the government especially talks about Oh, we want creative industry to be this, to be that. But they are not connecting the dots. And now, if anybody were to listen from the government and say, Hey, come here, pandai sangat ke? I will say, yes. Hire me lah. Hire me. You tak payah bayar, I pun tak apa. You tak payah bayar, I pun tak apa. I will tell you how it can be done. I mean, I've come to that stage, right? Uh, because uh, since nobody is blowing my trumpet, I might as well blow my saxophone, you see? So, uh, it's like, uh, yes, I pandai. Yes, bukanlah kata I pandai sangat, tapi I can guide. Uh, you take one more also who claim they pandai. Uh, okay, put us both, and we will plan it out because it is about connecting the dots. We have talent everywhere, but there's no single rallying point in Malaysia. That rallying point is full of people with self-interest. That is the problem. When self-interest comes in, your ego takes over, and that's why I have the problem, not legacy, Sangat. Uh, you know, uh, I will probably end this by saying one person I admire very much. Uh, he's an American. His name is Alan Lomax. All his life, he devoted to recording the ethnic music in North America. Everything from bluegrass, blues, delta, whatever, whatever. So he recorded thousands of hours of that music, and of course he died, but what he left behind is enough for people to do studies for the next uh, 200 years. And things that are disappearing are now being understood within their own context. So that's how it is. Same thing with cinema. Thank you so much, Dato. And we will end this podcast with stay inspired, create more new things, use your time wisely.
I'll talk to you in the next episode of Pitcast. Bye.